0: May the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I invite you to open your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 20, and there you will find our sermon text for this evening, Acts twenty seventeen to 35. I'm going to read the passage, but I'm only going to highlight a couple of things from the passage. If you are willing and able, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy word. As you know, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Now, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears And with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God." And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And now I commend I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. And that is the word of the Lord. May God. Give his blessing to the reading, the preaching, and the hearing of his word. And all the church says, you may be seated. Some say that the two hardest things to say in life are hello for the first time and goodbye for the last And I imagine that that was just as true for Paul as it is for you and for me in our various spheres of life. Life is marked by change and change often comes in the form of hellos and goodbyes. And farewell speeches are one of the most profound ways that we say goodbye. It's a way of saying, God be with thee. God be with thee. One of the most famous farewell speeches of all time is probably a speech that you know, and you might even know who said it, and you've probably never heard all of the speech. But if I began by saying this, I consider myself the luckiest man, 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 on the face, 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 face of the earth, 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 earth. You would likely know that that was a speech given by Lou Gehrig. Upon his retirement from baseball and bidding farewell to Yankee fans and baseball fans everywhere. It's one of the most famous speeches in US history. It's a farewell in terms of farewell speeches. According to one website that I came across this past week, there are nine ingredients that must go into every farewell speech. Would you like to know what they are? One, a brief summary of involvement how long you've been with the company or the club or community or whatever. Two, what you have enjoyed, admired, or appreciated about the workplace, the job, the neighborhood, club, or whatever it happens to be. Three, the admiration and appreciation you have for the people, their qualities and skills. Four, what you feel about leaving. Five, your gratitude and thanks for support, opportunities to learn, friendship, etc., Six, special memories or good-humored anecdotes. Seven, your reasons for leaving. Eight, what or where you are going to. And nine, your hopes and good wishes for those remaining behind. Now, if you were to go through the farewell speech that we just read from the Apostle Paul, you would find that all of these ingredients are actually mixed into his farewell speech, though not in any particular order. There's a lot of overlapping and mixing and matching there. Paul's farewell speech was not so clinical and polished as this website suggests farewell speeches might be. In fact, as you listen to his speech, you get a sense that his speech was heartfelt. It was pastoral. It was interpersonal. After three fruitful years of ministry in Ephesus, Paul had gone away to serve in other parts of the Roman Empire, and now he's making haste to get back to Jerusalem. But he decides that if there's a little window of opportunity, he wants to pull the elders from Ephesus over to the side and meet with them one last time. He's on his way to Jerusalem because he... He wants to deliver some relief and aid that he has been collecting from Gentile churches for the poor Jewish Christians down in Jerusalem. And so you see that Paul, while he was apostle to the Gentiles, is very careful about establishing the church Catholic, about establishing one church, not a Jewish church, not a Gentile church, but one church under Jesus Christ. And so he wants to deliver this aid and relief to those saints down in Jerusalem. N.T. Wright suggests that this is the reason Paul was traveling with such a large entourage. If you go back earlier in chapter 20, you'll see he's with a large group of guys. And maybe they're there to help protect him since he's carrying a lot of money. But they're also there to make sure there's accountability so that people know where the money went and was it actually delivered. But the reason Paul gives us here, the reason that often gets overlooked, is that he actually feels constrained in his spirit to get to Jerusalem by Pentecost. Your English translation makes it seem like it was the Holy Spirit that was constraining or compelling him, but that's not actually what was going on, is that something inside of Paul said, I gotta get down to Jerusalem. And while he feels this inner conflict, this inner constraint to get down to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit is actually warning him about what's going to happen along the way. The Holy Spirit is telling him, keep your eyes peeled. There's going to be trouble every inch of the way for you. People are out to get you. They might want that money you're carrying or they just might hate you and want to bring you down. And so Paul says, you know, I, I hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, but He's not deterring me. He hasn't made me feel that my life is so precious that I can't go on with this journey. It's an interesting struggle, you see, between Paul's spirit and the Holy Spirit. But there's just enough travel. There's just enough space in his travel schedule that he can gather with the elders of Ephesus one last time. So these men gather up, they come down to the coast where Paul is waiting on his ship to take him away. And there he pronounces his last words to them. This is his farewell speech. This is his swan song, as it were. This is his way of giving them a pastoral manual as he's going away, never to see their faces again. These are things he wants them to know and things he wants them to do as pastors and shepherds of the flock of God. You could compare Paul's speech, by the way, with Old Testament speeches that you find, for example, the speech of Jacob or Moses, Joshua or David. What Paul is doing is very much in the tradition of the people of God. When a leader moves from one place to another, it was customary for them to give a word of grace, a farewell speech, a kind word to the people of God. The thing I want you to notice about Paul's speech here, or you can go back and read it later, is you see that it is deeply personal. And it's also pastoral, it is prophetic and practical. And if you. Read it again and pay close attention to it. You actually see that what Paul is doing in this speech is he is telling a story. He's telling a story and he's weaving together all of these elements. And it's very difficult to separate one element from other elements because all together they form the story of Paul's life and ministry with the life and ministry of these elders, and with the life and ministry of the church at Ephesus. One of the best things I learned in seminary, and you will think when I tell you this, you had to go to seminary for that. But one of the best things I learned in seminary was that story shapes life. Story shapes life. And you know, that's true in your life. Because there are movies that you love and those movies somehow have infiltrated your life and they've given some shape and contour to your life. There are novels that you like that do the same kind of thing. There are experiences you've had with others that generate a story that shapes you. And there is the story of the gospel. And it is the story of the gospel that shaped Paul's life and shaped his ministry and mission among the Ephesians. And so his Farewell speech is a story-formed speech. It tells the story that shaped his life among the Ephesians. And then, in turn, that story shaped the lives of those people as they came into contact with Paul and the story of Jesus Christ. So in the spirit of what Paul was doing here, I have a few brief things that I would like to say um, tied to this text. I have served as the pastor of this congregation through all of her many iterations over the years for over 13 years. That means I have spent half of my ministry career with this congregation and with many of you. We have grown together in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. I've baptized all of your children, at least most of your children. And we're walking with Christ together under his cross. And like Paul, I could stand up here and talk about my personal life, my struggles, my tears, my doubts and my fears. I could talk about all of my many weaknesses and failings. I could talk about heartbreaks and heartburn. I could even talk about a few accomplishments and achievements. But I won't do that today. It's not my purpose. It's never been my purpose to preach myself, but Christ. And so we'll save that for another time. I would rather talk more about some pastoral things. Like Paul, I don't think I've held back anything or shied away from preaching and teaching things that are profitable for you, whether in our public worship services or in pastoral visits to your homes or meeting you in pubs or cafes or delis. As you know, there's nothing more profitable for us than the gospel of God's grace in Jesus Christ. And I hope and pray that you know that that's been the theme of our life and ministry together in this place. I remind you now that if you turn from yourself, and if you put your trust in the Savior, if you turn from your sins and you put your trust in the shepherd, then God will forgive and forget every one of your sins. And he guarantees it with his blood. This is the heart of what Paul said in his farewell story. God guarantees that with his blood, God's blood, not just any blood, but God's blood. Think about that. It's one of the most remarkable things that Paul says in this farewell story is that God obtained or purchased the church with his own blood. How did he do that? Well, God became man and laid down his life at the cross and shed his blood, sweat and tears for you and for you and for you. He did it for you. He gave up his life for us. And I've made every effort to teach and preach the gospel and the whole counsel of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit concerning the salvation of your body and soul and even of the creation. And so I remind you again of something we've said many times. You've heard many times. The Father loves you. Jesus is on your side. The Spirit is for you. And God is relentless in his pursuit of you. That is the gospel and the whole counsel of God summarized for you in a nutshell. Now, like Paul, I could talk about all of the spiritual dangers that we face, both those coming to us from the outside and even some that arise from within the church. We could take time to do that. But as I thought back over things that we've covered, the book of Jude and second Peter and other places, I think well we've touched on this before so let's save it for another time and there will be another time for us to tackle these things together About a year ago a a pastor friend of mine gave me a book titled A Sometimes Stumbling Life Making Sense of Our Struggles and God's Grace in the Journey of Faith I thought I love that title struck a nerve with me. I'm going to read this book. And so I started to read the book, but then I discovered that I didn't have the heart to read the book because it cut too close to the bone for me. But I made it far enough to read this, this section. Where the author says, I'm kind of like the elderly pastor who prayed in his 20s. I'm kind of like the elderly pastor who prayed in his 20s, Lord, grant that I can lead the world to Christ. Then in his 30s, he prayed, Lord, grant that I can lead my city to Christ. In his 40s, his prayer changed to, Lord, grant me the grace To lead this church to Christ. And as he reached retirement, his prayer became Lord, don't let me lose too many. And don't let go of me. And I think it was after that point in the book that I stopped reading. Lord, don't let go of me. I've noticed over the years that my perspective on the Christian faith and life has been evolving. It's been evolving. I think this comes with pastoral experience. If the Lord in his grace and mercy sustains us long enough in it. He shows us things that we wish we had known earlier. And that leads me to this. One of the most moving parts of the story that we read in Acts 20, at least at this stage of my life, one of the most moving parts of the story comes at the very end. It's not all the theology and doctrine and the pastoral exhortations that Paul gave in his farewell speech. That used to really jazz me up. And I I felt like that was so important that I ignored the end of the story. But this week... The most moving part of the story came at the end. It's not so much the speech, but it's the way his brothers responded to the speech that moved my heart. Luke says that when Paul had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. And they embraced Paul and kissed him and they were sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. There were prayers and tears and hugs and kisses and community. There's something about this story taking place on the beach, taking place on the shore, the end of Paul's ministry that reminds me of The Grey Havens and Tolkien's The Return of the King. It is there that Gandalf the White looks at the hobbits and he says to them, Well, here at last, dear friends, on the shores of the sea, comes the end of our fellowship in Middle-earth. Go in peace. I will not say, do not weep, for not all tears are an evil. One thing I've learned over the past 13 years is this that at the end of the day, pastoral ministry is not just about the right liturgy or the right theology, it's about the right community the right family, the right people. It's about finding and enjoying the right people who will come and meet you where you are, no matter where you are. Who will kneel down in humility and pray with you and for you. Who can feel what you feel because your heart is their heart and their heart is your heart. Who will weep when you weep and rejoice when you rejoice. Who will embrace you, wrap you in love, hold you up and hold you tight. Who will squeeze you until you break. Who will kiss your cheek. And who will walk with you to the very end of your road. The line in the story that stands out to me more than others is that they accompanied him to the ship. They escorted him. They walked with him all the way to the end. And like Paul, I have all of that and more with you. And I thank God for every single bit of it. But unlike Paul, this sermon is not my farewell sermon. I look forward to serving as one of your pastors for many, many years to come. But if I had to pick a final word to say to you, it would be this. I commit you to the triune God. And I set you down gently in the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified by faith in Jesus Christ. So again, two of the hardest things to do in life are to say hello for the first time and goodbye for the last time. And I thank God that while we have said hello to each other many times, we do not yet have to say goodbye to each other at all.